Good. Oh boy, my voice is rough today. Good morning. Welcome to the weekly roundtable. C-SPAN here. A couple of quick announcements, and we'll get started. So the first one is the ten-year T-shirt open. The ten-year, um, the T-shirts with the kind of gold emblem on the back. That order is reopened, and so if uh, if you're interested in that, you can jump on the Medvedere site and get yourself one of those. Uh, because the order is reopened, but it's not going to stay open very long. And so they wanted me to emphasize, if you want one, jump on that order, because that's going that design is going away. So next thing, there's also, uh, this is a request from my friend Gravity and the Cape Fear guys. If you have any photos from the 10-year, they have set up a link where you can, um, you can download all that stuff, and uh, they're going to, work on making videos to capture all those memories. And so if you have anything you want to add to that collection, you can hit that up on social media. You can get to Gravity or Cape Fear on social media, or and they have that link posted everywhere. You can catch those guys on the Nation Slack channel. So that's all the announcements for this week. Let's start with the easy stuff first. Checkpoint, who EHD, how long you been doing F3? Uh, C-SPAN, glad to be here, and thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I started F3 in the spring of 2013, so not uh, not one of the original guys, but feel like I've been here a long time. Um, I was originally an Area 51 guy, Iron Horse EH. Me, he was a longtime friend from uh, from work relationships at IBM, and I went out to the Rock on a Saturday. Uh, Hops was the queue. And we had a great beat down. And uh, Tiger Rag, uh, I give credit for my name. Uh, since Iron Horse had uh, eh me, they were talking about naming me Iron Pony because I had also done some Iron Mans with Iron Horse. And uh, Tiger Rag didn't like that. And uh, he found out I had done some adventure races. And the, you look for checkpoints and adventure races, and that's how I ended up with a checkpoint from Tiger Rag. And uh, for the listeners who don't know all the names he just tossed out there, that is basically all the legends uh, of Area 51. So getting named by Tiger Rag is a cool one, and then Iron Horse uh, is the guy who EH'd you. And Hops being your first cue is another cool story. So that's a bunch yeah, of high impact bunch. It, it absolutely is. It was a great way to get started, and uh, as, uh, as you probably know, I've been hooked ever since. Uh, so the, the, uh, the magnet got me there, and the, the glue has kept me there. Yeah. Let's um, before we get into today's topic. Anybody else you want to shout out? I know you're a metro. You, you're you feel like a metro guy now. Anybody else you want to shout out before we get started in today's topic? Well, you know, I'll tell you the story. The metro story is an interesting one because I I, I kind of live uh, in an area that's close to Area 51 and Metro. I, you know, I'm not technically in the DMZ, but I'm kind of in there. And so I started out with uh, Area 51, and then I want to give a shout out to Straightback. Straightback is a young man that uh, was here in Charlotte for a while before he was going off to uh, the basic school. After he had gone through OCS, uh, he had been a young man that coached my kids at Country Day, and uh, he had uh, moved into a little place in Freedom Park, and I had got him to come out to some uh, workouts in Area 51 while he was getting ready to go to TBS, and, and he said, you know, hey, why don't we do some stuff closer to my home uh, so I don't have to drive so far south. So I, I, I started showing up at uh, Shark Tank and Mothership, and suddenly I figured out that lots of guys I knew around Charlotte were working out in Metro. And it was just about the same distance, so I, I got uh, connected to great guys like Hillary and LBJ, and uh, you know got to know Dread. And uh, but I, I'll give the shout out to Straightback for for bringing me north instead of south for workouts. And uh, he is an awesome young man that um, unfortunately moved away to uh, join the Marines, and uh, is now at uh, Harvard Business School doing well. So 
shout out to him. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's uh, and again that's another group of that uh, you you keep uh, shouting out all these guys who are legends in F three, and so um, yeah, that's an entire a whole other group, um, and some cool workouts um, that you also called out there. So, all right, yeah, for some reason uh, the young straight the young straight back wanted to go, go to ahead. all the varsity workouts. He uh, he he got looped into the varsity workouts and drug me along, and so I uh, I couldn't I couldn't say no. So that's what got me connected to what Cindy used to call the uh, you know that uh, the string of workouts of mothership and young guns and ranger and shark tank. Uh, so it was a uh, the the, uh, the gauntlet of varsity workouts. Yeah, and I um you you said that much you said that much more eloquently than I did because I actually had a pause there because I was going to say. Apparently he was not on the uh, JV squad because that, that that is a week right there. You get to Saturday, you're tired if you do that that routine. So, all right, for the listeners, I'm going to go ahead and set the table. Reason I got checkpoint um, with us today, a couple different. We're going to go over a couple different topics, but the main one is if you're a listener of the 43 foot podcast, the um, 43 feet. I said foot there. 43 feet podcast. They um, he said like this tagline, it was checkpoint approved. And so when we were doing Iron Packs Challenge, I um, I was just super impressed because I went to a workout and checkpoint's there, and he's basically holding the group to a standard by his own personal performance. And that's when I got with this whole checkpoint approved thing. It really clicked in my head that I was like, here's a guy who's living to a higher standard. And one of, this is a topic that uh, you guys request all the time when we talk about leadership and stuff is the standard. You know, we just happen to be going through um, this weekend, for those of you who are watching on Go Ruck on Instagram, and we got some F3 guys who are absolute. So potentially this would be the first year we got an F3 guy that finishes selection. When we talk about standard Go Rucks, you know, in the military, it's always about the living to the standard. And so I found a guy who I feel like actually lives to the standard. His name's Checkpoint. And so, I guess maybe I'm going to just hand it back to you and say, why don't we start with how you define the standard, and maybe we can start the conversation there, and we'll just let it uh, unfold from there. So you want to start there? Yeah, sure. You know, I think it's uh, it's interesting to bring up the old uh, checkpoint approved. Uh, you know, that is an interesting uh, way that all developed is, uh, as you know, Dredd and our friends have worked out a lot together, and it uh, it got started around the crazy, uh, somewhat controversial Pullman part of the 43 feet podcast where uh, you know he and Dark Helmet asked people to bring long-standing vexing problems to the table to have a discussion on uh, ones that could be easily solved but weren't. And uh, as that thing got started, you know I'd, I'd you know see Dredd at a workout and I'd say you know that wasn't a long-standing vexing problem. Why are people worried about that? You know they, we were having you know issues like uh, you know too many shopping carts left in the uh, parking spaces or people standing behind the revolving door after they go through a revolving door and blocking traffic. And uh, and I, I kind of reminded Dredd that, that that to me is uh, trivial stuff that uh, shouldn't be bothering people. There's bigger bigger issues. And so that's how we got into the whole checkpoint approved is, uh, is whether or not I would agree that something was really a longstanding vexing problem because I, I had, I guess, in his mind a, a standard that was, uh, you know, what, what truly should be an issue that uh, that men get worked up about because we at the time we're getting worked up about a lot of things that uh, 
we we really couldn't impact or, sh or shouldn't bother us that much if we you know had a little bit thicker skin. So that's how the whole checkpoint approved thing got started, and that it, uh, it morphed into something else. So you know I don't know that I'll give myself credit for living to a higher standard. Uh, you you uh, flatter me with that, C-SPAN, but um, I, I'll I'll you know say what I try to do, and that's you know um, you know my uh, in, entire life I've uh, been influenced by men that uh, live by setting a great example. Um, my uh, my father unfortunately passed away uh, at a young age, and growing up he had uh, he had been in a plane crash and he was handicapped from a young age with a with a hip issue and um, he he wasn't able to do a lot of physical activity um, you know yet he was a, a great role model for me kind of persevering through his life before he passed away when I was in high school. Um, one of the things that 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 left me with was a an observation that uh, that my uh, when I when I had kids, I wanted to always be able to do things with them because I didn't wasn't able to enjoy that as a as a young man with my father. Instead, I was heavily influenced by a, my church minister, uh, affectionately known as Uncle John Barr, who used to take us on uh, backpacking trips in the summer uh, while I was growing up in high school. And uh, and he was a man that led by example. He was a former college football coach, minister. Uh, was a never never had a drink in his life. Um, wasn't very outspoken. Was he was a Episcopal minister, so you know, fairly quiet, but um, always you know, led by example. And just by watching him, you you knew that uh, you know you can learn a lot from observing people and their behavior, and uh, and you needed to to live up to their example. And so that's that's what I've you know always tried to do to myself is set a standard of uh, it's all it's kind of you versus you as we talk about. It. It's not you versus everybody else. And if if you know there's a goal to be accomplished, um, and you set those goals for yourself, then uh, you know, you set a high expectation for yourself, and hopefully other people will observe it. So it's kind of been that way, uh, you know, my entire life. It's kind of the, the never the never quit attitude. Once you've decided you're going to do something, um, you ought to do it right, and you ought to finish it. And so that's uh, something that's kind of kept me going and is particularly, you know, enjoyable about, you know, F3. So glad that you think I'm setting a high standard and living by it. Well, and I – you know, I, I appreciate you, give, you giving us the feedback or the, the the backstory there on your dad because I know we got a bunch of guys who listen to this that are currently coaches or ministers and they're involved with youth groups and all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, having somebody in your life that stepped up that led – and I I hope the listeners are – maybe they can go back and listen to what you just said there. Basically, your, <clears throat> your minister um, – was filling the gap where your dad couldn't, but he was he understood what that took, which was he lived to a higher standard and he lived lived a life setting the example, which to me is the most powerful way a man can live his life is you don't need to tell people you're living to a standard, you actually just live to the standard, which um, as we go through all this stuff with F3 and we go through QSource and we go, you know, I know a lot of guys are involved with Bible studies, you want to talk about it's much better for your example, uh, you know, for them, them to see you living it than to this hear you talking about doing it. And so I, I appreciate you giving us the backstory because I think that makes a lot more sense to me now that knowing that backstory that you had, pe you had people that are, you're basically emulating the role that guy played in your life. You're leading, you're doing all that for, for all of us, which I just think is really cool. Yeah. So I'm going to, well, I'm going to yeah, hand that yeah, back. But, Okay, you go ahead, and then I was going to make comment. What what uh, what are you no, thinking? I'm going to say you. Where are we going? I, I'm just going to say, 
I, I'm just saying that's where I'm going is I, I don't think you yeah. realize it, but you're doing that for all of us. So I'm handing it back to you. You put your comments there. Yeah, I think that what's uh, it's interesting. Um, you made the comment that you know you don't you don't tell people that you're setting a standard for them. You just do it yourself. And that was you know kind of going back to to my uncle John. Um, you know he he never said, hey, I'm going to step in and uh, play the role your dad can't play. Right? He didn't try to take credit for what he was doing. Um, you know he just he just performed a role that I needed in my life at that time. Somebody that could be present with me doing you know strenuous things, and uh, it, it made a significant influence on me and it, and it uh you know all throughout my life that's what led me has led me to remain uh physically fit you know i just uh just turned 60 so i have now graduated from the rifty crowd and i've joined the sexty crowd um and i have uh always you know tried to stay fit partially because you know my dad died at 56 and he had a heart attack he was uh he was never in he, he wasn't obese but he was just never in great physical health never had a lot of strenuous activity because of his um his injuries and so uh, I've made it a point that, you know, I never wanted to miss an activity that my children wanted to participate in. And so it's really kind of funny later in life, the number of sports I've had to learn so that I could keep up with my boys from, you know, whitewater kayaking to snowboarding, um, you know, to, you know, the, my first mud runs down in Columbia were not with F3. They were with my sons who wanted to go do a mud run, um, you know, pre F3 days. And so it's, it's something that has just inspired me to keep going and pushing hard and, Never wanting to be the guy that gets uh, that gets left in the lodge on the ski slope because you can't keep up with your sons anymore. And unfortunately, I got a couple of sons that are hard chargers, and so they they pushed me really hard. And like my youngest son got me into skydiving, so now I've got my skydiving license. And it's just always, you know, how, how can you how can you keep up with other young men that are setting uh, the stage for you? And that's one of the things that I've enjoyed about F3 is the fact that there are a lot of young men that uh, push us older guys. Uh, to you know, to keep up the standard as well, and it's uh, you know I, I wasn't really a sad clown when I came to F3. You know I I, I was at tenure this weekend and heard some amazing stories about you know F3 changing men's lives, um, whether it be uh, saving them from addiction, saving them from uh, depression, uh, saving them from obesity, and 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 I love those stories because it it reminds you that. Uh, all of the men are F3 or have an impact on other men, sometimes that you don't even realize. Um, it, in my case, it, it was, I really didn't have that problem because from a physical fitness standpoint, um, I was uh, already had groups of men that I trained with. I was already a morning workout guy, had, had a, a triathlon group. And so, you know, I came to F3 fit, um, and so I can't really take give F3 credit for getting me fit. Um, what I can give F3 credit for is, one, keeping me fit. So I've, you know, kept doing it. Uh, at, a, at a later age in life, and I and I thank the men that surround me for doing that, for pushing me hard. And the, the other thing is that um, I may not have been a sad clown, but I might have been on the path to becoming one because I had entered that stage in my life where uh, most of my friends were my kids' parents that I saw on the sidelines of uh, Country Day football games and lacrosse games. And so I was hanging out with a crowd of of men that I was really close with, but when my kids, you know, graduated, those friendships started to subside. So it was a classic case. If you didn't, you didn't, you had your kind of work friends that you saw every day, but I didn't see those friends. And uh, and and it, uh, it was a perfect time because you know four or five years before my kids graduated high school, I started making all these new friends in F3, and um, and that is you know my brotherhood in this organization is what keeps me going as well. But you know it does come back to a lot of those guys are making an impact on me without knowing it. Um, that's, you know, you describe the fact that you don't tell somebody you're setting the standard, you just do it. And 
Uh, I think kind of the greatest compliment you can ever get from someone is when they thank you for doing something for them that you didn't realize you did. And whether that be a, a former employee or a, a man that you meet in the gloom that, that thanks you for something, you're kind of like, wait, I, I had an influence on you? And I think that's, you know, men in F3 don't realize how much of an influence we're having on other guys without really trying just by being ourselves and uh, showing up and being high-impact men. Um, you have kind of an immeasurable impact on guys. You know, and obviously Dredd gets told that a lot. Uh, he, uh, he, he humbly takes credit, as he talked about at the 10-year anniversary. He's, he's learned to just tell people he's honored, um, that they thank him for things. Um, but, you know, what uh, the men of F3 need to realize is that, that it's really not necessarily Dredd that's changing a life. He, he provided the spark, but it's the, it's the men surrounding that guy whose life was saved that really deserve the credit uh, because they made an impact by holding, holding up standard and influencing a man. Um, let me jump in there. I'm going to do a couple things. First one, um, so you're out of Rifty. Now you're to Sexty? Sexty, yeah. I didn't realize you, didn't realize we're, you were 60. Uh, yeah, we're sexy, we're sexy at 60 now. So the bad clippers don't really I, acknowledge that term. <laughs> they, I was going to say, you were, you, you were in front of me at one of the iron packs, and so now that I realize that the guy who was sexy was in front of me, I'm... Um, I'm going to tell you we're holding the standard, and I, I'm kind of, I've got something to look forward to now. I, sexy is, uh, you know, like that's something I'm, I'm pretty excited about. I thought, <laughs> you know, I thought Rifty, I thought Rifty was pretty cool, but um, now I'm Sexty is pretty awesome. I'm gonna, I'm gonna slightly change our conversation because I, I feel like the listeners would, would, would I, they're gonna all hit me up in the DMs if I don't ask this question. Uh, for anybody who's worked out with your boys, we know there aren't chargers. And so we use the kind of Uncle John example, and I think we, you and I can, um, and the listeners probably can all tell this kind of parallel that you do with your peer group of holding the standard, right? We have the standard for that Uncle John kind of set, and we have a standard with our peer group. But this parent, um, especially, uh, you know, you, your boys are hard chargers, right? And I, the skydiving thing doesn't make any sense to me, but we'll do that on a different show. Um, <laughs> When you're the when you're trying to set the standard with your kids, um, you know, and I had boys and girls, and I know you just had boys, but why don't you kind of unpack that for for the listeners? Because I think this is another one where you got a lot of knowledge, and, and obviously your boys are super hard chargers. Why don't you why don't you help the listeners kind of go through that with setting the standards with your kids? Yeah, I sure will. I, I I'm extremely proud of my two sons. They're both uh, have uh, have been great young men. Uh, they've both uh, been uh, successful in their college careers and successful now in their post college uh, endeavors. And uh, and I really, uh, as everybody that knows me uh, very well knows, that most of that credit goes to their mom. Um, so it's uh, it's really her that has uh, has provided most of the influence. But uh, you know, I'll take a little bit of credit. I mean, we we're a, a great match. I've been married for uh, 31 years. Um, to a wonderful uh, nurturing M that is, uh, you know, unlike unlike many others, and uh, and I, and I use the word nurturing. She has always been the uh, the empathetic, caring uh, half of our family, and she's got humility, and she she gave that humility to my sons. I don't necessarily have it to the same degree. They didn't they didn't get humility from me, but um, she has been a, a great influence on them, and and we're a great pair because she's the empathetic, caring, um, forgiving. And you know, and I'm the, the the side of the equation that is setting a high standard and and having an expectation that my sons are going to meet it. And 
you know, it's, it, it is kind of back to the point about leading by example. It's setting a standard and, and not having to constantly remind them of what the standard is or, uh, or tell them what your expectations are. Um, but it's, uh, it, it's setting a, an expectation of what you want to occur and then having them uh, have the kind of relationship with you where you can be honest and open and communicate. We always were super successful at, uh, at having our sons communicate with us all the time. Um, I think that came from ha- letting them grow up in a household where there was a lot of love. So no matter what they did, uh, they knew they were going to be loved, and therefore it really opened up lines of communication that uh, enabled us to be participants in their lives and and friends with their friends and, uh, you know, present and able to be, you know, influencers all the time. But, um, you know, and they knew that I had high expectations, and, it, you know, I fortunately um, – they, you know, stepped up and wanted not to disappoint their dad. Uh, they, they knew what was expected and that I, I had a high standard. And, and maybe some of the stuff I did in my own life, um, like you said, is one of those things where you're, you know, you're kind of leading by example. They saw um, the, the kind of things that I was doing and uh, knew that I was setting a high standard for myself. And so it was in, you know, in different activities maybe, but at least they were able to witness. And so they always knew that their dad had high standards and they didn't want to disappoint him. And that somehow worked for them to become uh, successful themselves. They were they were best friends and supported each other as well. So I always say that you know people say, well, how come your sons talk to you and tell you everything that's going on in their lives? And I and I think it comes back to uh, their mother and I created uh, a lot of love in our household. We were a hugging family and a uh, you know a loving family, and that that just created an environment where um, everybody could be honest with each other. Yeah, and I I think. You know, I'm just giving some some feedback here. I I love that you say um, that the combination of holding a standard and loving your kids, I think, is sometimes where people get confused, right? Because I know I'm I'm a dad, so I'm and I'm a grand, you know, I'm a grandpa now. So I I sometimes when I hold the standard, I think I still do it like I'm in the Marines, right? And it's this kind of hard edge, um, you know what I mean? And it and it's not always what the kid needs because I think if you can hold that standard, and I think that's what you know the listeners need to hear. You you were very successful at it is being able to hold the standard and not having to be a having to be a hard ass while you did it. You know what I mean? You can be a loving and kind and and good man while you're holding that standard. So, I you know there, there's probably a lot to unpack there, but I just appreciate you giving the feedback. I you know. Your your sons are both hard charges. I think that's a great example. You know, giving your kids enough space where they can communicate with you and and they know they're always going to be loved. I think is is brilliant. So I don't know if there's yeah. anything you my want only, to there. My, my only my only failure is my, I I can't get my two O uh, to be a morning person. So he's uh, he is not uh, posted a lot to F three because he just does not like getting up early. He uh, unfortunately works super late hours as an investment banker. So he. Uh, he just won't get upset. That's my failure. But also, his uh, younger brother and I probably ruined him because uh, his first two um, uh, AOs we took him to, his first post was the mothership, and his second post was uh, Ranger. And so I, I think we crushed him so hard when he was uh, he was a Chapel Hill frat boy that had lost a little bit of his high school fitness, and and uh, and we probably uh, outdid it for him the first two. But, um, you know, I, I will say, uh, yeah. you know, kind of closing the loop on that one. I think that the thing I would say, if you think about your relationship with your with your children, setting the standard is, I, is I would much rather have them uh, be disappointed, know, know that I'm going to be disappointed in them, as opposed to them being fearful or scared of me. Right? You don't you don't want to have their their 
to be fearful of your reaction to their failure. You you want them to just know you're going to be disappointed. You know, when you don't even have to say a thing when they do something uh, inappropriate or don't live up to a standard. It's uh, you know, if they if they're worried that they're going to disappoint you and they don't want to disappoint you, that's important. And that's the way you know. If you think about a lot of kids that have uh, have got coaches that they love uh, and that they uh, put out 110 percent for, it's those coaches who they just don't want to disappoint. It's not the screaming coaches that uh, that have the most impact. And I'm just going to give you an amen there because I think uh, there was some really good advice there. I hope the listeners are paying attention because a lot of good advice he just shared right there. I'm going to transition because I, I feel like this is another topic I wanted to make sure we got out to the listeners. Um, you've been part of the board now, and I as we talk about F3 and holding a standard, I feel like our board is, um, you know, we're, we're a different organization now once we got a board. And so let's talk a little bit about uh, the board and the standard and the way the the way that's set up. And I know you guys just had some changes, so we can uh, you can talk about that a little bit. But let's let's talk about when you have an organization and you have a board and that kind of the way they hold the standard for the organization. Can you share some on that? Yeah, yeah. I think that, that the, the important message to the PACs about the board is this organization is growing. Um, you know, Dread and OBT created something special, and you know now it's grown to you know close to three thousand workouts and you know. 215 regions or something like that and and you know as the organization grows um, there the the level of effort put forth by the leadership team grows as well and you know we got some incredible guys on the SLT that are putting forth a lot of effort uh, you know not the least of mention which to mention C-SPAN is guys like you that have committed your time to uh, to help communicate with the PACs by you know doing this weekly podcast so it's uh, a lot of men out there working hard um, and it, it, there's a, an observation that as a part of that, we're now also asking men to contribute to things like the Give to Give campaign um, that is designed to help facilitate uh, PACs around the country, potentially uh, access funds that can support, you know, the, the physical efforts that they may take to a community initiative. Um, and, and as you grow like that and you start, uh, you know, raising funds and needing to, you know, have a, a senior leadership team, that is devoting more of their time, you know, on a weekly basis to the organization. It, you know, there's a necessity to have some governance around the organization so that the PACs of the nation realize that there is, you know, some oversight. And that's, you know, my, my background is I serve on a couple of public company boards, and so I've, I've had a lot of experience really kind of representing stakeholders and ensuring that an organization is headed in the right direction and that the leadership team is the right team and that the strategy is uh, – is consistent and supported. And so, you know, we kind of have an easy job at the board because we're really kind of an oversight organization. Uh, you know, we like to tell people that we need to have our noses in but our fingers out. Uh, you know, Slaughter and his team are, are running F3, the nation, uh, the foundation, and we got now our first-time first full-time employee uh, with Scratch and Win um, who's helping, you know, kind of further the, the initiative to raise the funds necessary not to just run and continue expanding an organization that we now know has grown uh, internationally with over five international locations, um, but also uh, support, you know, the, the initiatives that help us um, have a greater impact in our communities as we all realize our, our mission is to, um, you know, expand male community leadership. And, and one of the ways to do that is to maybe facilitate uh, that through financial contributions as well as uh, is just the, the physical uh, efforts of the PAC. So, you know, the, the board's role is to make sure the right team's in place. And we think we've got a great team. Um, you know, it's, it's always scary making a transition from a strong, charismatic leader like Dredd 
Uh, and, you know, he, he felt like it was uh, time for him to, to step back a little bit and let other guys take the reins. And I think that Slaughter and Dark Helmet and TML is, a, is the uh, CAO have, uh, have surrounded themselves with a team of guys that are doing a fantastic job of leading this organization that's now continuing to kind of just grow exponentially. So, you know, the, the board's role is to make sure the right team's in place, ask the right questions, understand, um, you know, the financial operations of the organization so that we can ensure that we're being good stewards of the funds that are raised through, you know, royalties and mud gear sales and uh, contributions from the PACs. And, you know, we're, we're responsible for making sure that the, that the legacy continues, the one that uh, was so brilliantly started, uh, you know, by Dread and OBT, and that it's designed now to make this organization, um, you know, live on in perpetuity. Yeah, and um, let's talk a little bit, because I know what the 10-year AP announced, and we had AP on a couple weeks ago, but um, so the, the change with Shooter and then with the recruitment of uh, additional board members, I, I know if anything you want to toss in there, because um, I know you and AP yeah. are friends, so. Yeah, yeah, AP, you know, AP has, uh, you know, been a guy that has been as involved in the uh, the growth of this organization uh, as anybody. I mean, he was there in the early days with Dread and OBT and, his, uh, and, and doesn't get the notoriety that those two get. I always, I always laugh when you travel around with Dread is that he gets uh, surrounded by the guys that want to take selfies and uh, have him sign his books. And it's always funny that, uh, you know, guys like AP who were a little bit behind the scenes but extremely in instrumental don't get the credit they deserve. He has been an, an incredible um, leader within the organization and has taken on every job that uh, has has been needed, you know, from the, the early days of IT to you know being the first board chair. Um, so he he decided it's time for him to to step back. So he is uh, he's still going to be on the board, but we've uh, uh, named Shuda from uh, Nashville as our next board chair. So he's uh, he's got a lot of experience in leading nonprofit organizations as well. So Shuda's going to do a great job. And then uh, we realized that, if, especially at the board, uh, there needs to continue be continuous transition. We, um, we, you know, one of the one of the checkpoint approved, uh, you know, vexing problems was politicians that uh, stay in office too long. And so I think that at the board level, we we know we need to have transition and refreshment. Uh, at the board level, and so we are going to, you know, we've got uh, kind of defined terms. We've got some people that are scheduled to rotate off at the end of 2022 and some more 2023, and so Shuda's um, going to help uh, AP find some uh, board members to fill those spots. Uh, we have uh, got a search committee in place, uh, so for men that are interested in uh, in serving, um, you know, AP is, is going to be communicating how people can apply. We're very interested in diversifying the board as well. And I think many of you have heard about the initiative to break the mold, which is to break this mold of kind of continued racial divisiveness in our country, uh, you know, and the, and the conclusion that, you know, F3 could be, um, you know, some of the glue that helps us build relationships with men that aren't like us. Um, it is uh, it's certainly the case within the PACs today. So there's uh, – you know, one, one of the things interesting is when you have all your friends from work or all your friends from your kids' private school, a lot of times the, the men you're friends with look a lot like you. Um, from, a, uh, from, a, from a professional diversity standpoint, you know, I now know men that work in lots of different professions than I work in, which is great. Um, but we still don't have enough men of color in F3, and the, the thought is if we can do a better job at uh, consciously EHing you know, men that are uh, of, from different races that we can help foster those communications. Because, you know, it's hard to have a tough conversation with people that you don't know. Uh, you, need to, you need to know somebody, have a relationship with them, and trust them, and then you can have real conversations. And 
that's uh, one of our initiatives on why we want to try to break this mold. And so we've got that initiative growing now. It's uh, we're we're trying to start more workouts that can enable us to EH uh, more men of color. Uh, Slaughter is uh, currently in the process of trying to recruit a uh, queue of BTM that will kind of continue that initiative and enable you know regions around the country to kind of understand what's worked well in locations like Cape Fear or Wakanda and Greensboro. And uh, as a part of that, we also feel like it would be awesome to be able to attract a, uh, a man of color to the F3 board so that we have a perspective from someone uh, who understands you know, why it's difficult for uh, a bunch of middle-class white guys to go into uh, a neighborhood and, re- and recruit a bunch of black men that aren't like us. We need, we need our uh, packs that are already out there with us, our, um, our black men that are with F3, to really help spearhead the effort to get more guys like them to come out. One of the best pieces of advice we got, and I'll tell everybody this today, is that you know, a lot of times we will become familiar with potential packs that can join F3 by some of the missions that we're doing, whether it be the, the homeless shelters or the, the rehab facilities where sometimes the, those men are diversified, and th- you know that, that seems to be where we're trying to recruit people. And I think that Square and Greensboro um, and you know Carmen San Diego and Chicago have both told us that you know one of the things we need to do is, is recruit men more like us. Find find your coworkers, find find other you know white collar men that are different from you because there's a, a common bond there. And then those guys may be guys that uh, are going to church in a, in a black church and have lots of friends that they can bring out there. But we can get started by looking around you at the office and finding those friends and people that you have relationships from a co-working standpoint. And, and we need to get all those guys out there because if we can build some better friendships with uh, people that are different with us, then we think we can have a big influence on opening up lines of communication and, and better understanding you know, why we have some of these divides we have in this country and how we can uh, – can temper those uh, vicious debates that are going on and and really bring, um, you know, what has worked well for all the men in that three today, uh, which is in hundreds of thousands of men that we're building, you know, better male community leadership. We need to, we need to be able to offer that to, you know, all men, which is, you know, one of our, you know, credos that it's open to all men, but we have to be more conscious about attracting all men. Yeah, and I'm just going to let you take a breath there, and I'm just going to give you a very loud amen. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, I, you know, I, I, all I want, you know, I, I kind of joke about it sometimes and say, man, I, it's so much more than just a white guy workout. If we could just get more guys out, they would see that we're more than just a white guy workout. Um, it's just so much more than just the fitness piece. It's the, you know, it's the, it's the fellowship piece and the faith piece that we could really, um, you know, I, I just feel like we can make a global impact if if we can if we can figure out how, a better recipe and how to how to attract more men. So yeah, and I and I tell you Brother, sometimes we we get we get uh, I'll make one last comment. We get we get um, misconstrued sometimes as a uh, you know as a a white Republican workout you know and and I and I hate that because uh, sometimes the Twitter rants of more vocal people in the organization uh, create that perception. And it's funny I had a uh, I had a uh, a, a black man that posted this in Metro tell me one time he he you know he wasn't coming out as much because he felt like he just didn't fit in and I went well what do you mean why don't you fit in and you know you, your natural thought would be maybe because he was you know usually the only black guy at the workout and he said no he said I just you know I'm kind of a center left kind of guy and everybody you know here is so far right and I went you know you're totally wrong about that I said you know come to Sparta with me and I take him to Sparta and I go come over here and meet Disney. Disney voted for Biden. He's a center-left kind of guy. we got lots of guys standing around you that are center-left guys. They may not uh, scream so loudly about it, but uh, 
we're we're really more different than you think. And and I, and and Disney, you know, he's like my favorite liberal, and so it's uh, he's a great friend of mine. And it's 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 awesome because we can have conversations about things we disagree with because we have a relationship. And that's why we need more men like that that are different from us, so we can have real conversations and learn from each other about what's important. So you know, that's what this organization can accomplish um, because we're we're using. Uh, the, the the fitness piece to do hard things together, which we all know bonds men uh, when you do hard things together. And then when you have that bond, then you can go from just doing hard things that are physical to, you know, having hard conversations as well. And that's, uh, I think, something that could benefit us all. Well, you got another amen there. <clears throat> so amen on that one, too, because absolutely, that's what it's about. Well, brother, we're, yeah, on, we're on top of our time. time. Yeah, we're on top of our time. And I I just feel like I should give you maybe a little open space here to say, uh, you know, you can do closing remarks, whatever you want to leave the packs with. Um, obviously, on behalf of the nation, I'm going to tell you, because I'm going to tell you, I appreciate Checkpoint Approved. I didn't realize um, what it really meant to the, other, to the other day when I was chasing you during the Iron Packs Challenge that I said, here's a guy who's living what we all keep talking about. So on behalf of the nation, thank you for doing that, but I'll give you closing comments. No, I just I thank you, C-SPAN. I thank you for doing this, for helping communicate. We got a we got a big organization with lots of packs, and you know I just I just hope that uh, somebody got uh, a little something of value out of this. This is uh, I, I I do obviously I I thank Red and OBT for starting it, but more importantly I thank uh, you know every Nantan, every uh, site queue, uh, every queue that's let it work out, and and every man that's EH somebody. Uh, th- this organization deserves all the credit, and and every man that works out with F3 today and has become a part of this uh, this benevolent cult, as we might refer to it. Uh, I think I think the tenure probably reinforced, gosh, we are like a cult sometimes, but it's a good cult. And we need to, to share this cult with more men uh, because it can have a positive impact. And I just want to thank all the guys of F3 uh, for everything that each individual has done to, to grow and support this organization. So, C-Fan, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Checkpoint, I'll see you the next time I'm working out in Charlotte. For the rest of you, I'll talk to you next week. Have a great weekend.